welcome to the Infinite Imaginarium, where your digital dreams get turned into reality. Let your mind go, and go deep, deep, deep inside the Imaginarium. The Imaginarium is a place to dream up a new story for humanity. There's a new story waiting to be told. It is a story of human possibilities, what people are capable of doing when we come together. Many of us carry the story inside of us and are afraid to speak it. We tell ourselves we are crazy, but in fact we represent a new sanity. The ideas and practices that can create a future worth living. It is our stories that make sense of the world. If you have no frame of reference, your eyes can't tell the difference, and neither can your brain. The point is that the world we perceive isn't actually the world itself. It is our story of the world based on our knowledge and what we have learned from others. The world has no meaning by itself. We supply the meaning. We have no choice but to think together, ponder together, in groups and communities. The question is how do we do this? How do we come together and think and hear each other in order to touch and be touched by the creativity, the intelligence, the activism we need? You have entered the imaginary where ideas roam free, where dreams are painted with reality, because at the end of history, it will be art and beauty that sets consciousness free. I just wanted to say as well, when we gaze upon an exquisite piece of art or listen to beautiful music, I really feel that an opportunity arises to connect with the original artist, often in the most profound way, because you're potentially firing the same neurons that the artist did when they created it. Thus, we make new neural pathways and stimulate a state of inspiration um, and as we mirror the original artist's emotions, we immediately experience something called empathetic resonance, which actually connects us to the artist. Uh, they could, the artist could be deceased and it would still connect us to the artist. So in that sense, you know, we never really die. We then feel what the artist felt when they created that piece. Not only do we feel a deep connectedness, when we, we view that piece or we listen to some music, but also we experience an elevated state of consciousness. So this sense of being drawn into a painting or drawn into a piece of music is sometimes referred to as embodied cognition, which is the mind and the body connected. We can experience empathetic resonance in visual, kinesthetic or auditory acuities. Listening to music will often trigger a visual acuity as well, or a kinesthetic feeling, or a kinesthetic acuity. So the listening part of us will then trigger something visual or something feeling. So for me, this really cements the theory that we are all very much connected and we are all one consciousness. So I really feel that art proves that, that we're all connected. And what would we say of time? The time of our lives and the time of our observations. Khalil Gibran might say, 
you would measure time, the measureless and the immeasurable. You would adjust your conduct and even direct the course of your spirit according to the hours and seasons. Of time, you would make a stream upon whose bank you would sit and watch it flowing. Yet the timeless in you is aware of life's timelessness. And knowing that yesterday is but today's memory and tomorrow is today's dream. And that which sings and contemplates in you is still dwelling within the bounds of the first moment which scattered the stars into space. Who among you does not feel that his power to love is boundless? And yet who does not feel that very love, though boundless, encompassed within the center of his being, and moving not from love thought to love thought, nor love deed to other love deed. And is not time even as love is, undivided and spaceless? But if in your thought you must measure time into seasons, let each of us a season encircle all the other seasons, and let today's embrace the past with the remembrance and the future with longing. And what would we say of labor? What would we say of the Earth Mother's labor for us? Perhaps we could discree it as the creation of life. This is an excerpt from Alicia Joclain. The watermelon pulsates, being pumped full of life-giving juices, through its umbilical cord, connecting to the placenta of rich soil. The mother nurtures it tenderly, rocking it with care in her arms, comforting it when it cries, droplets of morning dew. The mother incubates her child with beams of her warm love and sprinkles it with a mist of refreshing rain, waiting patiently for it to ripen. The mother veils her child in lush green vines and thick velvety leaves to keep it safe. She soothes the hungry away from her child, blowing the burrowing insects off the fruit with a gentle breeze. At last it's ripe and ready to be birthed, and the leaves are parted and the smooth round watermelon, free of any imperfection, is raised by two strong hands, fingers spread. The mother screams in pain when the cord though which the child was nurtured is severed. The mother's child is lifted into the sunlight. The mother breathes a sigh of relief when the pain is passed and the smile at the fruit of her labor. She looks away as her child is ceremoniously baptized in the water of the sink to cleanse any of the contamination. It's then cut into slices, the knife squeaking into the thick rind. But she looks back when a slice is handed to a small child. He grins at this mother who has provided him with food and the bright red juice dribbles down his pudgy chin and he smiles pushing forward a playful black seed through the hole made from the missing tooth and the mother smiles back. That the root word of psychedelics means to manifest the soul and reason why I like to do psychedelic Sundays and this whole thing for me now i mean i haven't even done psychedelics in like four years but for me how i manifest my soul or my consciousness is doing this these artworks on minds i basically uh want to outline my own little theory or or where i get the root of my basic understanding of 
of everything, I guess. And it goes it goes to this equation that Dr. William Taller has. And he expands on Einstein's E equals MC square. And basically he branches it out to energy equals mass equals information equals consciousness. And how I rework it in my own mind to make more sense is that I connect energy and consciousness together. So it's energy slash consciousness equals information slash matter. And I view it like space and time. So energy and consciousness are like space and time and same thing with information and matter. When we, we work this and he and he says this in, in one of his uh, white papers is like instead of asking what consciousness means because there's no really adequate definition of consciousness and we, we can't generally agree on what consciousness means but we ask what consciousness does and immediately we see that consciousness man manipulates information in forms of numbers, words, sounds, images, generally symbols and this is what, what art is, right? we manipulate symbols to express ourselves the world we see around us but there's this feedback loop with our technology we hack into physical reality and we change it with our ideas we're manifesting our ideas we're manifesting uh, consciousness outwards and in, into this feedback loop and this is why i use the symbol that i use and the symbol that i use is the bee shaman, which which is one of the oldest of, it comes from a cave painting. And uh, from what I have studied, this is one of the first examples of an artist or the shaman drawing something, expressing something that is not seen in the everyday physical world. Before, all the cave paintings before that were all naturalistic. The landscape with buffalo or, or deer or whatever, the game and they're hunting. But this is something that's, different the other this realm of of consciousness of deep reality of and they expressed it in, as this bee shaman and he has like mushrooms growing out of him so the creatures that that ate the mushrooms and started to do art in these caves and species hallucinate that's, that's the same process that we started hallucinating you know in star trek and all this kind of stuff about uh spaceships and and cell phones and and uh, you know you go to Leonardo da Vinci, all these artists who are, I mean even the best of our scientists are, are artists. And I think everybody's an artist, and either we realize it or not. So I'm gonna end it with with a with quote with Terence McKenna, and then see what everybody else thinks. We can't move no faster than the evolution of our language, and this is certainly a part of what psychedelics are about. They force the evolution of language. So, um, Nikki, kind of going into to what you were saying about externalizing or, or expressing consciousness, art, you know, we have this, this communion, the, the mirroring of neurons. Um, you want to touch on that? Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to say about, you know, the amazing thing about art and art therapy as well, that is being sort of more recognized now as a, as, as a re, you know, real tangible thing, is that there are some people that aren't very good at being empathetic or connecting with other people or some people struggle to see beyond what's going on around them. You know, to some extent, we're all like that. You know, we all see 
and perceive things from our own perspective. So in that sense, we're all the same, you know, selfish, I guess, in, in the sense that we just see things from our perspective. The beauty of art, you know, whether it's music or visual art, it develops the ability to empathise. You know, it wakens up the consciousness and, and opens us up in the sense that we see something and it fires, fires us off, you know, it fires off those neurons, which is like the mirror neurons. So, you know, we see something and it fires off stuff in our brain. We experience a feeling, you know, a, some sort of sensory feeling, whether it's a kinesthetic feelings, you know, in the pit of our belly, that feeling sense, um, or it could trigger a, a visual thing. So it can develop empathy in people, whereas before they may not have an ability to, to have empathy, to be really black and white about it, even the most left-hand brain people that are, are very factual and black and white about everything, they can see, if they visualize something, if they see something, it triggers a feeling in them, it triggers an emotion. Even if you were just walking through a forest and you're sort of taking in all the beauty of, of the landscape or looking at the countryside, it triggers a feeling within you even if you're the most sort of non-emotional person, you know, that's kind of how I feel, what you were saying before about everybody being an artist, I think they are. I think everybody's an artist in that sense. You can't deny that. Two, and and this is something lately I've been playing with, and I guess, you know, I, I've always done it more of an unconscious way, and I think we're all doing it, whether we realize it or not. So lately I've been really working hard on my my content and um so the latest blog i wrote is about art poetry and resistance and i wrote it in the poem that you know i'm a a, a minds artist and lately to about a week ago this one artist uh misty uh nomer 69 she said oh you're one of my favorite minds artists and i was like oh cool and you know I'm very kind of like always questioning myself and, and I think that this is part of why I, I keep on like driving myself. I don't view myself like for me, I hold and I have a very broad sense of, of what, what it means to be an artist. But for me, I go and I view like Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac. These are like my heroes uh, and I view them in very high esteem and I'm like, I, no way am I even close to what they do. Or what they did and so i even before i would even downplay like i always kind of written and people would say what do uh, what do you do or who, who are you or what always comes to this and it was funny because when i got on minds and people started really reading my post and, and my blogs and we're having conversations so i would have these conversations in in the kitchen they're like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And it's kind of really hard to explain what, what I'm doing, you know. Oh, I'm part of the site. Then I started to really to communicate to that. Oh, so like on my part time, I'm a writer. And and they're like, oh, really? What do you write about? And I'm like, oh, about consciousness. Uh, I write poetry. So I really felt right there that I started to, to identify or to label myself as artist, even without me really fully um, confirming it.
and lately I've been getting these really good feedback. And then there was someone else said that too. Like it's like I've been getting these like just random people like contacting me, which is always great. Like the greatest compliment I get is not on how many likes or or reminds that that I get, but when I inspire someone else to do something. Seek Gnosticism has always been great at this. Every time I like, especially in the early times of Minds, everybody here knows how it was in the beginning of Minds. Like one person will post something and it'll get everybody kind of fired up. And then you'll see different, you see, you you actually will see how that idea or expression uh, network and it's spread out. And you'll see someone else write a poem in a response to, to your writing. I know there's been, you know, we go in ebb and flows on Minds. And I've always kind of, since the beginning, viewed Minds as, okay, this is different. This is actually what I wanted out of social media. And what I mean by that is that I want to network and socialize ideas and projects with the hope. And this is why I say that we want to manifest digital dreams into reality. So part of it is that, you know, we talk and it's it's cool because Kevin has actually visited me, you know, which I think is great. This is, this is, I want my experience with Minds to go. Um, Gus Spiders and, and Holly came and picked me up and we went to Colorado and had this kind of mock uh, experience of actually looking at their land and saying, maybe this is where we build a physical space for the Imaginarium. And so this is key to it not only just that you know i'm using minds to to express ideas and even to transform myself but also too it's with, it's always with the attention for me and anything i do is to use those good ideas you know this is kind of like we're practicing or, or testing out these these ideas and theories and with the attention to bring them out into the real world into reality and creating this new story for humanity or at least having uh, an environment where it's more conducive to to being human to and that's why I, in that little spill i said you know practices that can create a future worth living and this this is something that has always kind of driven me when i finally said out loud you know kind of like cemented the line in the sentences and i proclaimed in, in that blog that i'm a minds artist and for me what that means is that i use all the tools on minds to express myself, to try to manifest these ideas and consciousness in this digital realm and see how they play out in a, in the ecology and keep on pushing these ideas forward until when like an incubator. And once I feel I have certain ideas or a certain amount of feedback, that's when I think it's time to move it into reality, have this convergence. And this is something that I kind of want to express a little bit more is that what I want for this, the show and that we kind of did this mock thing in the beginning I think we'll get better at it as we go along but uh, because of what Gus Spider said that where we're going we don't need a host especially for the Infinite Imaginarium and sometimes I would love it too for, for someone on this panel or someone listening that wants to get involved with the, the Infinite Imaginarium do a remix of what I said in the beginning and I'm probably going to do a little video and make a good version of that and put that out there. Do what the Imaginarium means to you. And then every time we switch it, you know, like maybe you, Nikki, you start off with 
whatever the imaginary you know you do your welcome to the imaginarium mm -hmm. your version of it and then i go i say oh i fill in with maybe just what i'm thinking at that time or i like what kevin did he actually read these poems really great and we we come in with, with some poetry or whatever because I, I mean i like i like poetry i like reading poetry writing poetry and so you know we have a loose uh, format for that but it's it's with the attention that it could go and it should always be diverse in perspectives you know maybe we read quotes or maybe we we find some article or study um like i i was telling uh nikki earlier too what i was reading before is a how uh, is an article that i posted on mines is uh how art affects a consciousness and it talks about exactly what what Nikki said in her spiel and this this is the actual I came up with a term with this is called the deep network network you know networks are ideas and the the, the deep network are these synchronicities the the emergence and evolution of ideas and so this is what connects us I was actually having this conversation with Corey earlier too and I was telling him when I'm working on something this evolution of ideas that is like a deja vu but what i mean by that is that like i come to this like realization of something right i'm working on it and at, at the same time randomly someone comes up to me and says something or posts something that goes perfectly with what i'm trying to express and maybe i don't have the words yet or the image yet or whatever yet like the perfect example of that and i, I don't know if you remember this nikki but it was in um spare time and and spray spray paint cans uh with, oh, yeah. waste, with wasted talent yeah yeah uh, i was talking to wasted talent and said hey when you go and do your uh, graffiti tape it and even i had this conversation with Corey about speeding it up and we do this like time lapse thing and then i'll mix it in to a video and i didn't have the song yet and i was just like okay i don't know what i was gonna do and i was like uh, i'll wait till the video gets posted the video gets posted Nikki and Nino Nino posted uh, tag you I think you tagged me in a Nino Nino post about what was it oh, pretty lights and I'm like holy shit that that song is perfect and at the same time simultaneously I even had another window open up I was viewing his video and I'm like oh my god these are so perfect and it was so perfect that they even lined up on their time the length of his video was the same was almost perfect to the, the length of that song and i'm like holy shit this is this is perfect this is this is what it is that's one example of this experience and i think i mean me and nikki have to have talks about this you know you your, your dream, you the synchronicity the dreams i have this experience with this experience and hopefully you know as we we keep on evolving whatever we're doing we're giving people and, and this is i'm going to speak kind of for all of us because i think i think this is true for for most of the people that that i really talk to on minds is that there's some growing pains going on with minds and i had this, this discussion in a scenario hangout with douglas rushkoff and he was saying about the onboarding process and the symbols that we use are very important if we're saying we have and this was in a scenario talk in the context of scenario, but it goes with minds. If we want to build something new, 
the technology, you know, open source, encrypted, that's all fine. Or is it blockchain or cryptocurrency? That's all fine. But if we have the same mindset that we had back on the other social media sites via Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, then it doesn't matter what the underlining technology is. You know, you can't solve the problems with the same mindset. And this is where this, where I wanted to take the Imaginarium is, okay, so what is the new story for humanity and how do we express it uh, for ourselves? And so we understand it for ourselves. I think it always starts for the individual. But if you go so deep and true to yourself, this is what why art, what you're saying is timeless. And in a sense, you know, you live forever with, if you launch onto that idea. And this is this great quote that I always use by Alan Ginsberg. Beauty is beauty. That's all there is to it. If you're interested in you, then you're stuck with you and stuck with your death. But if you get interested in beauty, then you launched onto something mysterious inside your soul that grows and grows like a secret insane thought until you're it. And that boils down to me what art is. Exchange beauty with art. And once you have that experience, I mean, we all, we all have had this experience, whether it's music, whether, whether it's a movie, a, a book, or seeing a concert, it changes you. I use psychedelics and, and that imagery because I think it kind of goes, uh, that's the, the imagery and the symbols that I think can penetrate the average person. Where I want to keep on moving things, and this is for for me, for myself first, of what I want to get out of my mind's experience. And this is, I think, to where I want to invest a lot more time and energy into the infinite imaginarium is that anybody could help and get involved in the Imaginarium, but I want us who are already involved in the Imaginarium to start thinking about this. What is this new story? I've been lately looking at a lot of my old posts, and I don't know if you guys noticed that, and I remind a lot of it, and going back to the roots of how this all started and expanding on some of the ones that are the, the nuggets and getting more in depth with that, you know, that's why I want to do like coordinated things with, with my blog, with my, with my video edits, with my post, with the show, and I want it all to have this real in-depth sense and experience. So, like for instance, the Infinite Imaginarium show, what we're talking about right now. If you notice my feed, I have two different articles that kind of talk about what we are here and and synchronistically it worked with what nikki was was on and in, in her own mind we had no talk about that prior but after it synced up which i loved i love that stuff and it and it goes back to this thing that i've been wrestling with i think the onboarding process this is not to say this is how mine should be but this is what minds means to me my own story of minds I want to express it truthfully and honestly in an artistic way so it resonates with the right people. And this has always been my experience, whether I've known it or not. And this is why we have these deep connections. And, you know, like Nikki, I've never met her in actual physical reality in physical space, but we have these synchronistic experiences because we launch onto the same ideas, artwork, or whatever it is. And we have this this development that, that's happening with us, that the emergence 
uh, of consciousness. Consciousness is manipulating symbols, and actually, we are the the medium of which consciousness expresses itself. Consciousness is the artist, and we're we're just the pen. We're the paintbrush. But yeah, Nikki. Yeah, I mean, I've always had a bit of a a love hate thing when it comes to you know online connecting with people online because. In the one sense, it's immediate, you know, instantaneous connection with people, which is great. But I also feel that there's no substitute for being with people in the flesh, you know, that physical connection, because it goes back to the the mirror neurons firing up. You know, when you're with, you know, when you see something visually, it stirs something in you. So there's no substitute for actually being with people. There's a connection that you feel with people when you're actually there in the flesh with them. So I kind of feel like this age, technological age that we're living through at the moment is the beginning of that. Showing people that sharing thoughts and, and feelings through social media, you know, whether we share our art or our blogs or, you know, we. I think the thing is, we feel safe sharing things when we type it out, when we don't actually have to sort of be in front of somebody. Like somebody said to me, it's really funny how people sort of, you know, on, on Facebook, people will post all manner of things that they wouldn't perhaps post or reveal if they were sat in a pub, whereas they feel more confident because they're just in their house typing away they can just do whatever they want and they, they feel safe for doing it i feel that it's the beginning of that strong connection that we have with each other social media gives us that confidence to reveal parts of ourselves that we wouldn't necessarily reveal if we were there in the flesh you know i feel that i've connected with all these people that i would never have known or connected with if i was living through a different era you know, even sort of 30 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So it serves a purpose in that sense. But I feel that we're going towards, it's taking us in a direction where perhaps we won't need the technology as much. Not to mention our ability to process and store information has developed massively, purely on the basis that we, we spend so much time online processing information but I think human beings have evolved massively in the last sort of 25 years due to technology and that process of just scanning information so I kind of feel like the technology is is the beginning of that instant connection that we can eventually have without technology this kind of goes into another thing that I've been really into lately I mentioned him before and he's someone that I've been reading a lot and I look to a lot and his name is Douglas Rushkoff and he wrote this um, book it's called Program or Be Programmed in that book he talks about how we build technology and we're instead of technology being built for humanity we're changing our humanity to technology so it's time to build technology for, for humanity and shape the technology to give us, empower us as, as humans instead of what you were saying, you know, 
we have these great tools, but for different reasons, we're acting like a computer. We're just scanning information, uh, sometimes blindly reminding or clicking and going into this uh, automatic mode. But what, what makes us pretty unique and different than a machine or an artificial intelligence is that we can make connections that the, even the advanced algorithms can't make. Um, part of some of the studies with mushrooms and, and it says, you know, even after you take those mushrooms, people have this, make these, you know, nonlinear connections of information and it stays with them. The mushroom and the psychedelic experience is just a tool itself, you know, meditation does this as well. But I think, you know, you need to have that frame of reference. And this is why I always kind of use these symbols and, and talk about psychedelics, because once you have that frame of reference and Alan Watts has one of the best quotes about it is like, once you get the, the, the answer, you hang up the phone. The real work happens in, in the integrating, whether you know you read a, a great book or you get this piece of truth or information, that's fine. But the real work is in integrating that until where it becomes part of your being. And in that quote that I was saying, you know, you launched onto to beauty, that beauty being art or truth or whatever that beauty is until you're it, you know, that, that being of it. This integration part is something that I'm really tr always kind of mulling around in my head and my brain. But Douglas Rushkoff also ha has this new project and it's called Team Human. And it's so funny, I told this to, to Corey, is that me and, and Nikki, this is our project, uh, Infinite Imaginarium. And we've been on a hiatus and for diff various different reasons. And we're like, we need to get back to it. We need to get back to it. I was like, you know what? I had this feeling like it's time, let's do it. And simultaneously at the same time, and I came across the Team Human podcast. And then it's like, oh, I remember that Douglas Rushkoff was doing that. I was like, oh, let me listen to it. And when I listened to it, so it's a weekly podcast and it has a set of resources, uh, enable human uh, intervention in economics, technology, social programs that determine how we live, work and interact. This is a media as cultural resistance and a path to social change. And I'm like, holy shit. He's fully, he's, that's more formed of what I was visualizing Infinite Imaginarium to be. And so then I started getting into to his podcast and his website and the different people that, that are connecting with him. And in one of them, and I think this is really important for, for us right here and the other people that resonate with, with me with Nikki and our group, we have plenty of critics in the world telling us that it's going to end or this is crappy or whatever. But what the world needs is more visions. And Douglas Rushcock goes on to kind of say, is like, facts really don't matter to anybody. And the example is the, the electoral politics, you know, look, look at what's happening right now. And we sometimes get confused or, or stuck on if we just read, we have this truth and someone just reads this book or reads this article or watches this YouTube video and then they're going to be awake and it's going to magically change something. And we've been doing this. If anything, if you look at, at what's happening right here in the States and with our election, it has, what it is, is this is the, the artist has to ground its expression in truth, but it does it in a way that affects you. 
uh, on an emotional level and it and it moves you and it's not so much that oh you need to believe this truth but it's it's to spark it within you so you start that process of integrating whatever information it is and doing that research and it goes into these quotes that i that i like so john f kennedy s- says that when power leads man towards ignorance poetry reminds him of his limitations when power narrows the the area of man's concern poetry reminds him of his richness and diversity of existence uh, when power corrupts poetry cleanses if more politicians knew poetry and more poets knew politics i'm convinced the world would be a, a little better place in which to live in we we're, we're all concerned of like all oh, this truth or that truth and this goes into that dream that i express i had this dream where i was at this hip hop festival and it was in south central and i'm pretty simple of how i dress i'm pretty neutral and so like everybody projects something onto me i remember when i was younger my friend used to say that i was a a rocker and so i was labeled as a rocker so i i i didn't know anything or shouldn't know anything about hip hop depending on where i'm at i have this this view because i have brown skin that oh i'm from the hood or whatever and then that i'm in like that culture but when i'm in with people quote unquote that are ghetto they say oh you're white because of how i speak and and what i'm interested in and all this kind of stuff so everybody projects whatever they there are onto me and this dream was kind of illustrating that because i was walking in this hip hop festival and i was like oh this is cool and then this group of people were like what are you doing here you don't belong here you're you're not quote unquote a hip hop head you don't look like that because of way i was dressed or way i look or way i talk and i told them it's like what and i was like dude most of this this stuff that's being said is not even real hip hop and i and i go into what what happened to like real hip hop the only one that right now that i feel that's that's real out there is Saul Williams and i go into this whole lecture and basically i come to this line is like why can't we say something deep and have a dope ass beat i remember they just kept on echoing in my in the dream and then echoed when i woke up and it just kind of resonated with me and this is why i do the the video clips that i do because you know there's not enough for me of media that's out there that and there there are there are some you know like i said like Saul Williams and there's other there's other people out there but to the extent where where i want it and this is lately what i've been doing with, with some of the Douglas Rushkoff clips or with my um Alan Watts or whatever and having a really cool soundtrack kind of like a hook and sometimes i even feel that it's it's more powerful those those clips that i do than all the writing i have done because you can listen to it over and over again and sometimes you don't even know why i remember one of the best comments i got on 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 a one it was uh i think it was abstract reality and dreams one guy's like i can't stop listening to this and i don't even know why and i was like perfect because that's kind of the intention of that and even for me like i i listen to it over and over again like recently i like i said i was making these clips with Douglas Rushkoff and i listen to it over and over again you you scan and you scan for for information for the information or the media that you want and then once you launch onto that it's you get that and then how do you make that grow or network and this is part of the thing of like how do i do it where it's also fun because this process of it making entertainment and fun it shouldn't be mutually exclusive why why do we have all this mindless in- entertainment
but also at the same time, it, we shouldn't have all the, all of searching for truth or whatever should be boring as well. And this is where it comes to the, that crutch of that thing in that dream. Why can't we say something deep and have a dope ass beat? That's the the magic is kind of at where I keep on striving to. Like, I don't think there's like a line that I steal from Jack Kerouac. I have nothing to offer the world, but, but my own confusion. How do we move past the old narrative of the story where it's a three act, you know, beginning, middle and end, move away from teams and winning and this side of that side, but move into this ongoing open source narrative that continues. This is where I'm at right now. You want to say something, Nikki? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, one of the biggest myths, I think, is this whole plagiarization thing of somebody creates something original and you shouldn't copy it. And, and that's something that I completely disagree with because I feel that the whole development of consciousness is that artists create things. It triggers feelings and, you know, mirror neur neurons and everybody. And then we create more art that is a development. We go further down the line. So art should not be something that is like, I've created this and I don't want anybody else. I'm going to patent this because I don't want anybody else to use it. Or if I, when I create art, if I was to write a blog or create some kind of video, movable montage or something, or music, I would want people to be free to use that because they're not just going to replicate what I've done. They're going to create something new from it. It's going to trigger them. It's going to inspire them to create something new. So they might use elements of something that I've created, but they will evolve it. You know, so I think art is a constantly evolving thing that should be free for everybody to use and, and take and create something new. So they use what you've, you've created and they evolve it onto the next level. I feel that people should, should take it and use it and take it onto the next level. Because I think it's an ongoing evolvement of consciousness. Oh yeah, I mean, I am kind of uh, extreme. <laughs> In that sense of uh, copyright, I'm, I am totally and conscious of being a remix artist. Uh, and I think it goes, goes back to this, the new story, you know, the old story of ownership, of individuality and stuff. Um, it's not that it's wrong, but it's limited. It's limited. Kind of, it, uh, and I mentioned this in one of our shows before, and, and it always kind of rings true to me is that the new story is much like the old story or the original story. The Native Americans, when the Europeans came over and they said, Oh, want to buy this land off of you, and they kind of looked at them and they laughed and they did, had no concept like, How can you own land? The earth is our mother, you can't own it. It, it didn't even compute with them. They had no frame of reference of it. The same thing, I think, too, with, with ideas, you know, that's what I said earlier, and I want to like kind of reemphasize it, is that, especially, too, in the creative process, if you're really honest with yourself, and I, I also saw this documentary about mathematicians when they're writing, uh, you know, doing new discoveries in math or whatever, they, they talk about it in the same way as art, you know, they go in and 
they research a study, but then there's this moment, this aha moment, where it seems like the answer or the idea comes to them instead of them creating the idea. You know, it's it's not that the ideas belong to us, but we it's more like we belong to the ideas. And consciousness or and that information is is expanding and pushing and pulling us and we're just one of the newest forms of technology to process and express consciousness and information. We are a paintbrush for information and ideas. This is where my head's at and where it makes the most sense to me uh, when I'm honing in on my skills or, or even making better video mixes of, of course, giving credit to them because I think it's important to go down that rabbit hole of the source. And that's why uh, lately I've been kind of preaching about Douglas Rushkoff and preaching about Saul Williams because those two right now are where I look to. And they're, they're kind of the voice and, and the vision of where I want to take Satori D. Uh, you know, like that old saying with the scientists, I think it was uh, Sir Isaac Newton that said, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Everything that has come before us and we should build upon that, you know. Why reinvent the the wheel? I have this one poem, it's called Unconscious Tape Loops. And one of the Unconscious Tape Loop Blues, it's really a mashup of Allen Ginsberg and Willem S. Burroughs. And I just kind of update it. And I use some of my own experience. He has his line where he says, uh, Allen Ginsberg, I've seen, the best, I've seen the best of my minds be destroyed by blah, 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 and, and I use uh, YouTube, hashtag wars, you porn, and I say modern stuff where, where I say, you know, the best of our minds being uh, destroyed by these things. So I, I just kind of blatantly rip off Allen Ginsberg in that poem. Really looks at, at anything I do, it is definitely, quote unquote, I'm, I'm uh, plagiarizing so many different artists but at the same time, I, I think, too, uh, the reason I do it because I consciously, you know, hold all those artists in great respect because they have, they have developed me, not only this art or how I express myself, but my consciousness. It, had, it has formed my consciousness. And this is why I like to quote uh, Terrence McKenna or I use Alan Watts in, in a remix. And a lot of times I just do it for myself because I want to always go to the source and, and you know, kind of look back and see where I want to go. Or a lot of my stuff is out of my own confusion of my development. Kevin, did you want to say something? Yeah. Art therapy. We'll go right back to where, where Nikki was at the beginning there. Definitely one of the strongest points of where I'm trying to push minds in image therapy and reinvigorating the non-human connection of, of the of where society and social network has clearly taken us back and made us you know very narcissistic very wrapped up in what each of us are doing what we are you know when we look at the things in consciousness that inspire us what are, what are the things that pull art from us it's the moment which is why i chose time and Koyoga brain and work. It's seizing the moment through inspiration to live and smile. And 
I think we're we're really at critical mass, and the the human condition of humans talking about humans, about technology, and where we're going, is this huge whitewash over the depth of our reality within our our biosphere, which is why I'm so into image therapy for for minds content because I'm trying to initiate passion for what sustains us, you know, the the living things that are food and air and clean water comes from the earth. They recently released that 58% of all the non-human being living thing are dead and never coming back and in four more years it will be two-thirds of all the biodiversity on the planet dead we would like to perpetuate having consciousness will have to rein in the fact that this human condition is a, a part of all living things and a, a part of our spaceship and we can probably pretty safely through technology go into a world of Soylent Green, if any of you have seen that movie where we turn humans into food and digest each other. But then ultimately, where will that leave art? Where will that leave creativity? Imagine hallways with just throngs of images of other human beings and not of exotic creatures with exotic colors and um, landscapes painted in black and white. It's really a critical moment in history that uh, we get past our narcissism, that we get past our, our boastful pride of what technology is supposedly doing for us and come to the conclusion that it, when it's commod commodified and militarized, that the technology isn't it isn't providing us a healthy environment to, to be artists to to grow consciousness like this is where i'm at and why i'm so searching out to you know trigger people's underbelly to make them go into a, a softened mental state that they will um, reach into themselves and then maybe they will read some of the more deeper thinking things that you post Daniel and and until we can realize our true spirit selves our, our spirit persons having a human experience we still have to have this human experience the native methodology of the earth mother being first uh, like they said in the Hopi prophecy that the black the black snake prophecy is coming true so if we want to continue to proliferate art, we need all the living creatures and bird songs and things to, to continue this, this journey of desire, of wonderment, of inspiration, and get past this monologue of human beings and about human beings and creation and technology, because it could be that it's just leading us to a singularity loop I feel that um, it's really a case of, it's a fork in the road moment in the sense that 
you know, whatever you want to create, whatever reality you want to see, that's what, what you'll have. So in that sense, I feel that there's going to be a bit of a divide in conscious, you know, collective consciousness, if you like. I agree with you in part about the, ch you know, about the future generations, about the children. You know, it kind of falls down to us to create a reality that, that they deserve. I, I kind of feel as well that some of the, ch the younger generations, they're so relaxed and chilled out because they're kind of, they're beyond, they're kind of more evolved than we are. So, you know, I kind of feel it really is just down to the fact that we create what we think about. Whatever we think about becomes the reality. So we can't change other people's views or thoughts or belief systems. You know, quite often I see on mind, you know, this constant sharing of things you know to enlighten people and and alert people of things that are going on in the world and oh god we we need to make people aware of this and we need to make people understand what's going on but i'm not so sure that's what we need to be doing i feel like what we need to be doing is just sharing the things that we love that we believe in sharing the things that sharing the things that are the reality that we want to see come about. And that's kind of all, it sounds like a really selfish thing. It kind of sounds wrong in terms of what we've been brought up to think, you know, that we shouldn't be selfish and just do what we want to do. But actually we're doing consciousness as a whole. If you think in terms of consciousness split up into trillions of different aspects, we're doing them a service, a good service, by sharing the things that we love and want to create. So if we want to create beauty and lovely things in the, on the planet, then that's what we want to be sharing. We don't need to focus so much on sharing the things that we, we think we need to alert people to understand. You can't force those things upon people it doesn't matter how many times you share something and you know ram it down their throats it it would be the same as speaking to somebody in another language speaking to somebody in french they didn't understand french or italian or whatever they can't understand it it's like you know you may as well be speaking another language so i kind of feel that you have to focus on the things that that you want to see happen. That goes into what I was saying about frame of reference. And I rather, for my own personal way of expressing, like what you said, you're using levels to express something, but you don't necessarily mean it as. They have no frame of reference. They don't have that set of symbols to express that idea yet. And um, we even even myself and other people that's why i'm constantly looking for different images and words and songs because i don't have the right symbol to fully express myself and i don't think i don't think i ever will there's that constantly striving for that um i want to kind of go back to what what kevin was saying and i, I do see 
problem here, and this kind of goes into what I think is the crux of where we are. We think we're still stuck in this dualistic way of thinking, and we're thinking, you know, it's humanity versus technology. And I, I think where it's going towards there, there's it's non-dualistic. It's it's seamless. Uh, language breaks up the world into symbols and to bits to express it, but the actual world, independent from our language and even from ourselves, is seamless. And this is, I, there's a difference between, you know, your mind and being aware. We use conscious as being aware, but consciousness is the seamless everything, the whole integrated whole of everything. Um, before we used to use this symbol or word God or spirit, the great spirit, the new symbol that I like to use and word I like to use because it's less loaded is consciousness. And I use it in a lot of the same, the same sense. It's to express this deeper, it's, it's just a symbol though. Um, I don't, we get hung up. Technology is natural. You know, we are part of nature and technology is part of us. You know, like we're an expression of nature, of consciousness, and technology is an expression of us. Yes, we are kind of like in this infant stage of using it and we, we don't know what to do with it. And I think what Nikki was saying is very true. There's kids that are doing amazing things, you know. Uh, there's this 16-year-old this girl in Brazil that's talking to the UN about doing this environmental movement and how, you know, we need to be aware. And uh, there's this kid that I saw one time from the States, and he's doing the same thing. He addressed it to the UN. I even, I forgot what I was reading that... Um, I think it was it was in, in a podcast with Douglas Rushkoff or somebody. I was listening to something, and they were saying about how it's more that the the older people or people that that are having this division with or this conflict with with technology because they weren't like it wasn't just a given born into it, and you know it's kind of like that novelty of it, and they're the ones more let's say more addicted to the technology where. The younger kids take it for granted, the technology. Um, yes, there's problems with, with kids, you know, uh, using the phone too much or, or social media too much. But I forgot who was saying it, but they said something about the kids better adapt to this environment than the, the people prior to this environment. The kids adapt quickly. I think, you know, like for instance, just to be an example, the quote unquote I hate labels but the millennials it's not even a debate about the legalization of this is just a symbol of mar marijuana like for them it's just like a given yeah like why is that even an issue like that's not even worth like debating like they, they're, move, they're moving beyond that and I think to have to move and it's hard and it, and it's probably not going to be us it's, it's going to be the kids and the grandkids but what we have to do or what I feel I need to do is one constantly, sh you know, what, what, what Nikki was saying, I think is very true. Share what you, what you love, you know, 
and it's hard sometimes you know you see i always get i always have this this horrible feeling when i read too much politics or even get swept up in the whole thing and i feel very dirty you know like if you like eat a lot of junk food or whatever and you feel like horrible like oh why did i just do all that the same way i feel with with politics like why did i spend so much time reading about donald trump there's so much things happening what i've been getting into with the, the team human but if you switch your attention on to let's say the stuff you love that beauty then you're playing this eternal game and it's not just about you but it's about the secret of same thought that grows and grows until you're it launch on to something eternal i like to use this phrase um the songs of eternity and and that's what i mean by that this music this art that has always kind of been there the heartbeat of the universe the songs of eternity and we are all notes and sounds and colors and vibrations of the songs of eternity that are keep on playing themselves out we have this sickness and when you think of it in in those terms uh for your own self when you get really sick you have the peak of the fever and then you have these night sweats and then you start the process of getting over, over it and i hope this is the peak of the fever i hope this is the peak of the virus so that we can start to work to get over it and when power corrupts poetry cleanses the things that enthrall the human condition to create are the unusual the, the unexpected the you know the glorious the those things that uh, are fundamental to the quality of life that we're you know we're involved in and the whole effect of the the finger pointing you know the politique uh about each other so that we don't talk about what's really going down you know this obsessive self has just gotten overwhelming it's stifled creativity it's it's definitely put the blocks on uh i think the task being put forward to us is are we capable of utilizing this advanced intellect to to redirect the story to what holistically will generate the same opportunity for the young people is i want to soften you i need you to breathe and i need you to feel just to to let your guard down where we we are so immersed in tension we've lost sight of the moment like we're between absorbing information and seeking information and that the moment is is kind of eaten up it was really a trip i i was reading an article about societies 200 300 and 400 years ago and the, the average worker type people like we all are worked like half as much as we do now so they've literally got this closed loop going on where our our freedom to postulate and and use language and all its brilliance with all its amazing words look how small our vocabularies are now and it's time to 
put the foot down and change the story like you're doing Daniel and like you're doing Nikki it's time to say no we have to defend these things we're really at this critical mass now where we've got to preserve what's left and nurture it and, and refurbish a lot of the bad things that we've done so that we can move forward I think with a clear conscience yeah exactly I think one of the most important symbols and things that are happening right now and why I did the latest blog I did about art, poetry, and resistance is, and I also did a new video mix of uh, Douglas Rushkoff and it said, um, or a new story, protest as a way of being. And in it, he's kind of talking about how do we, 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 we empower each other for this ongoing story of sustainability. Uh, we, we all are symbols before this. We talk about war on poverty, war on terrorism, war on hunger, you know, the climate wars and, and all this kind of stuff. So the, those are the old ways of beginning, middle and end. And that if we protest in March and this and that, and then we feel good and we come home, or if we click something on the internet and said, hey, here, this is what we are, you know. I think what's happening right now, I mean, it has always been happening. This is a critical moment, you know, where things are, are colliding, I think, right now. And where I would like to even keep on more focusing myself and expanding on poetry and activism as a way of being, that it's not just okay we do this or we post that but that that integration that i was talking about for earlier which is the hardest thing i mean you know all sorts of different books and i could quote this and that but actually having it integrated to where it's in you and you you're no longer intellectualizing but you are it the hardest thing and it's a it's not an end thing or oh just one day you're awake but it's this this continuous evolution process evolutionary process and I think we're all kind of getting there, you know, of all the stuff that I have seen, what I like to look at, at science, systems thinking, and, and thinking of things as whole systems and looking to, to the dynamics of biology to help better design our technologies. And they talk about how we're doing information and using swarms or, or whether it's made safe and talking about ant colonies that stuff is kind of, is technology too but kind of going back circling back to my point the biggest protests biggest art that we can do is to just be and i mean and it's hard how do we live in this moment of now and express uh the the beauty of everything we have all these distractions of of all this media that's coming at us that pulls us and keeps us away from being oh we have to look at the news we have to see how our updates our notifications work everything's pulling us away from just being able to live to be and and everything's pulling us you know pulling us this this way and that way keeping us into this this kind of weird little conscious 
trap. So these these artworks express that, in, and it's, it's still always the menu. And and hopefully, whatever the hell we're doing here is is all part of the process. Maybe we have Nikki end it because we're going pretty far, deep deep into the Imaginarium now. Yeah, I think that you know the important things to remember is that the reality that we exist in is full of distraction. Everything's there to distract us and take us away from being in the moment, feeling our thoughts at that moment in time. So there's always something to sort of take us away from that. You know, you can be feeling quite calm and euphoric and then something just pops into your head. You don't even know what it is. It's just that you're in a moment of oneness. You're not distracted by anything going on. So your emotions aren't undulating in any way, shape or form. You're not going up or down in, in any way. You're just there. Entering into an age where the consciousness has evolved to a point where we can't go back to how we were. So, you know, the powers that be, the ones that want to keep us in that closed, lower consciousness state, are literally throwing everything at us that they possibly can to sort of keep us in that low vibrationary state of fear and panic and stress and, um, you know, everything's distractive almost come out of yourself and observe what's going on around you you know your higher self should be steering the ship of your existence if you expand your consciousness outwards if there is an outwards then everything blends together into one thing anyway so you achieve the oneness talk about wrapping things up and what you're saying and tying things together is what scientific research has been showing us about how art affects the brain uh, today's brain scanning stuff it shows us how art changes the physiology of our brain contemplation observing and taking in beauty all stimulate pleasure centers within our brain mirroring of neurons this is what the science is showing us you know it's kind of goes into that thing the in, in the firing of your brain and the reworking uh, of your brain, there's no difference between something you, you kind of imagine in your brain and what kind of goes out. And this is what dreaming, and if you read like the doors of perception, uh, Aldous Huxley talks about this, is that dreaming is kind of like the simulation of, of reality and, and reaffirming these neural nets into your brain so it gets integrated and so you better integrate whatever skills or information you need to continue on with life but this the same thing with art has has the ability for us to hack our own brains and hack reality this quote that i use in my blog art is a mirror held up to is not a mirror held up to reality but a hammer in which shapes it and i think uh, we got to keep on using that tool to keep on hammering at reality and thanks, guys.